This is Radio Influence, podcasting redefined. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to a Monday edition, a Labor Day Monday edition of the Dark Delight Podcast with Beans. Frank is taking the day off today. I just wanted to say, um, you know, to everybody out there who has made something with their hands, right, or done something or works or does something that makes this country run, today is for you. Today is for you to relax, unwind. Hopefully you're listening to me here today. Uh, as you sip a a beverage next to a pool or at a picnic or somewhere, you've got your headphones on and you're listening to me talk to you about what's important in the world. But if you're not, that's okay. You'll hear this tomorrow or the next day and you'll hear me thanking you for making this country what it is. Thank you for laying pipe. Thank you for building buildings. Thank you for processing insurance claims. Thank you for stocking shelves. Thank you for checking people out at the supermarket and smiling at them so the rest of their day may be better. Thank you for all of those things and more that I haven't mentioned. Um, I posted on Truth Social this morning, remember your power. Remember your power. You are what makes this country run. It's not the philosophy major pontificating about gender studies underneath the tree in Central Park. It's you out there doing the hard work Remember your power. Dun, dun, dun. So it's a solo show. Never can I ever guarantee how long a solo show will go for. Sometimes I get on a roll and it goes for an hour. Sometimes I, you know, can only fill up a half hour. I don't know. What I do know is that I do have a few topics to talk to you guys about today. And um, listen, a couple of things happened over the weekend. Number one, we got the uh, detailed affidavit list from President Trump's raid which is interesting for so many different reasons. We'll get into that today. Next, I have the uh, filing, the motion to dismiss in the Igor Denchenko case, the next Durham case, and what I argue is the last Durham case to come from that special counsel and what I think he's doing. We've got uh, eight blind mice. We can talk about eight blind mice today because uh, on on you know Wednesday's show, um, I'm sorry, Friday's show, I touched on... Uh, I touched on this study with Sarah Absher. I hope you guys all went over to sarahabsher.com to help her out a little bit with her campaign for school board. Um, I I touched on this a little, but I didn't get into it the way I wanted to. So hopefully we'll get to that. And uh, some Biden speech, some Trump rebuttal, some, you know, flip-flopping back and forth, whatever. We'll just get this show on the road. So the detailed affidavit is released in the... Trump case. Now, let me break this down for some folks who may not understand or um, may not be filled in on what's going on. There's two cases. There's the sealed search warrant case, which still hasn't been, quote, unsealed, for example, like for in other words, it still says um, in the case of sealed search warrant, blah, blah, blah. um, If you look this case up and that judge obviously has had a hearing over the past couple of days or a week, I'm sorry, or two. And that's where we got the like I guess you'd call it redacted, unredacted affidavit that hides probable cause and everything else we'd ever want to know, you know, all in the effort of transparency. They, they I always argued that, you know, they're only going to release what they what they can to embarrass President Trump. And then we have another case where Donald Trump, two weeks in to this whole nonsense, filed a um, a lawsuit against the government. 
where he argued that he wants a special master appointed. And what a special master does is basically take a look at everything going on in the case. They they look at the materials that were seized. They determine whether or not they're applicable. They protect those materials. If they're not, they can look at privilege and all kinds of other things that happen when you seize uh, 15 or 20 or however many boxes from a former president to the United States. And then dance all over them like they're your personal playground. That's that's pretty much what a special master is for. In that case, the judge had a hearing on Thursday, didn't make any ruling on the special master, but there were filings in that case from both sides. So the Trump people filed demanding a special master for the reasons that we all, you know, have discussed before, which are some of the ones that I mentioned, privilege claims, um, the unheard of nature of this, um, the fact that they can't trust the FBI, basically. And then the government filed and said, you know what? Um, He doesn't deserve a filter team. We've already finished anyway, so it it doesn't really matter that he didn't have a special master because we're already done. And judge, if you do appoint a special master, it's going to screw up our ability to make sure there's no national security threat here that we need to be, you know, apprised of immediately. And then Trump's new attorneys, he's hired new attorneys. These guys are really good. And I could tell you that from reading this stuff and also from their their bios. He's hired new attorneys and they wrote back and said, did the government's argument here that, you know, even in the face of the judge telling the government, I am likely to grant a special filter team or a special master to this case, the government plowed ahead rifling through all this stuff, pretending to have already analyzed it all, and then saying, you know, you don't need to appoint one anyway, even though he doesn't deserve one because we're already done. And if you do, the, quote, intelligence community won't be able to do their review. Now, who is the intelligence community? Okay, is that the CIA? Is it the FBI? Is it the NSC? Who is it? That's a very broad brushstroke for for federal agency or federal community. Like, is this the same intelligence community that Chuck Schumer directed us to look at? Who is this? Who is the intelligence community? Not defined. Trump's attorneys filed back a very um, fervent and, and, and angry filing, rightfully so. Hold on. I just pulled it up. I will put it in the show notes for you guys so you can read it. But um, it, I'm just going to read it to you a little bit of it anyway. It's uh, 19 pages long. I read it and I was like, damn, damn good argument. This is again, this was filed before, if I'm not mistaken, now that we're on September 5th. Yes, this was filed the morning of the hearing that they had in front of the judge to make this decision. So they say three weeks after an unprecedented, unnecessary and legally unsupported raid on the home of a president and possibly a candidate against the current chief executive in 2024. The government, represented by the DOJ and the United States Attorney's Office, has filed an extraordinary document with this court, suggesting that the DOJ and the DOJ alone should be entrusted with the responsibility of evaluating its unjustified pursuit of criminalizing a former president's possession of personal and presidential records in a secure setting. 
Now the government twists the framework of responding to a motion for a special master into an all-encompassing challenge to any judicial consideration presently or in the future of any aspect of its unprecedented behavior in this investigation. Its argument against oversight begins with the contention that somehow the movement lacks standing to object to a search of his home. The convoluted theory, which appears to be that the Biden admin will not allow President Trump to assert executive privilege and consequently he has no right to possess presidential documents and that therefore he has no standing to object to their seizure is contrary to the well-established doctrine of standing. And it goes on. Um, He also it says the uh, government similarly uses the opportunity to respond to a limited inquiry to inject its inconsistent position on the applicability and impact of the Presidential Records Act, which they dissect. It's just they they basically destroy the government in this filing. And they say the hubris of you guys to move and charge ahead while this is in litigation and a judge is indicating they're going to grant a special master to take a look at this stuff. How could you possibly forge through, do this review, and ignore the judge? They have the hearing. The judge says, I'm not going to rule on this special master team yet. However, I am going to rule that you release a detailed accounting and inventory of what you took. So we got that poised for media, politicized uh, list. We then, days later, got the, the picture of these documents spread out all over the floor, which has been memed so beautifully to include all of the things that we know we need to see, like Hillary Clinton's emails, who killed Jeffrey Epstein, the Wiener laptop. I mean, the list goes on and on. And then a little picture. I don't know if you guys caught this in the box on the right. A little photo of President Trump giving the finger. (laughs) So funny. So funny. But it was clearly media propaganda. It was for the media. It was for the left wing crazies to jump around with their hair on fire. It was for the Uniparty to weaponize. It, it, it was no coincidence that it came before the speech by Biden that everybody <clears throat> watched um, or everybody heard clips of where he's now taking tons of heat, by the way, guys, from so many people for that speech we talked about on Friday. It, it was just basically, in a, it, 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 was, it, it was a PR piece. And so the court rules that they have to... Uh, release a detailed inventory and they do they do oh now we get the detailed property inventory pursuant to court's preliminary order and we're looking at different box boxes and different things in here but the problem is guys that the photo that was released to the public with top secret security stuff um ts uh you know top secret security clearance um confidential, you know, it was it was a whole like higher classification level. They're not included in this document. So they're they're The documents in the photo with certain classification markings are not included in the detailed inventory. What is included is a whole bunch of newspaper clippings, photographs and items of clothing, eight items of clothing, because that's very important. It, it's you know they're not supposed to go in there and just grab everything. The uh, Paul Sperry has this. I'm just gonna read it. I don't know where he got it from or what what you know whatever. Um, 
but he's he's got it right here, so I'm going to read it. The description of documents found at Mar-a-Lago as super secret SCI is suddenly missing from the detailed property inventory the DOJ filed with the court August 30th, which doesn't match the SCI docs listed in the receipt for property the FBI had attorney Christina Bob sign August 8th or the SCI docs photographed in the attachment F DOJ filed with the court August 30th both of which listed or displayed SCI documents, raising suspicion the Biden DOJ exaggerated the sensitivity of the allegedly classified docs confiscated at Trump's Florida property. So they lied on an affidavit somewhere. Either they lied when they included them or they lied when they omitted them. The bottom line is they lied. It's clear for everybody to see now that they lied. What a judge in Florida is going to do with this is a different story. Now, the only thing we have, and the fact that we even have to say this, the only thing we have going for us is that this is going to be litigated in Florida right now. And we've learned that it doesn't matter if a judge has been appointed by Trump or not. They're going to do their thing either way. If they're radical and they hate him, they're going to do their thing either way. It doesn't matter who appointed them. It doesn't matter. Trump appointed judge or not, but this is in Florida. And it seems to me so far, at least outside of the Reinhardt magistrate. And again, understand a magistrate is not a judge. A magistrate is like they, 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 you know, take care of judicial functions. They can hear cases if they get permission from the parties. Parties can demand that a judge hear the case and not a magistrate. So the fact that a magistrate received this affidavit via WhatsApp and decided to grant this broad search warrant for a former president's home. And I just want to put in there a little qualifier. I think if I'm not mistaken, there's footage that we haven't seen yet. I don't know. I'm just going to assume that one day we're going to see it because there's no way that that footage is not going to be released at some point, whether in a court case or not. He's not sitting on it. There's just no way. And I know that they've got it because the FBI has taken it in other instances to look at who's gone into the room, who's left the room. And I got to tell you, looking at, at, you know, I always go to Drudge to take a look at um, take a look at what they have to say. They're still obsessed with this thing. They're still obsessed with it. I'm going there right now. The first one, two, three, four, five. The first five headlines above their main picture. And, you know, people criticize me all the time. Like, why are you going to judge fine? Because it tells me their perspective. And I like to know it. I like to know what they're talking about, what they're thinking. I like to be able to strategize. I like to be able to see what lefty media is talking about. It's important. So, yeah, I go there and I see what the hell they're talking about. And I read stupid Politico articles and whatever. So, The Don repeatedly called for lengthy jail sentences for mishandling of classified info. Yeah, a little different, a little different. Election conspiracies find fertile ground in MAGA conferences. Graham defends riots in the streets. You know, Trump calls Biden enemy of the state first rally since raid. I mean, it's just it's he they can't get enough. They can't get enough. And he is an enemy of the state. Sorry, he is. So. I have um, I think I'm in a transition right now from the Trump raid. But just understand their affidavit is different. 
their affidavit, they're, they're omitting something. Either there were SCI documents or there weren't. Which one is it? Come up with which one is it? Which one is it? So there's your like somewhat detailed dissection of what's going on with the Trump raid. And of course, I'm watching the court case and I'll continue to watch the court case for you. I'm sure you guys all are too. I actually made a donation to recap, even though I populate it most of the time (laughs) because there are so many people going to that website now to watch this stuff. Um, And they are a not-for-profit. So I did that uh, because I understand how that is to do something for free um, and rely on donations. I have an article to read to you guys. It should shock you to your core. It should shock you to your core. <sighs> Electors under siege. I just want to bring you back here. I want to, to bring you back to um, this terrible time in our history. Just a few short years ago, just a few short years ago. On Monday, members of the Electoral College will cast their historic votes for the next president of the United States. In the meantime, they're under siege. The nation's 538 presidential electors have been thrust into the political foreground like never before in American history. In the aftermath of a uniquely polarizing presidential contest, the once anonymous electors are squarely in the spotlight, targeted by death threats, harassing phone calls and reams of hate mail. One Texas Republican elector says he's been bombarded with more than 200,000 emails. In recent decades, the Electoral College had become such a reliable rubber stamp of Election Day results that it was viewed as an afterthought. But with many Democrats desperate to block the all but certain ascension of Donald Trump to the White House, this long neglected body has been gripped by turmoil and its members have been subjected to pleas to upend centuries of tradition by casting their votes for someone other than the president elect. Oh, boy, how times have changed again. This is from 2016 when the Democrats went nuts. There were videos here. There have been campaign ads, uh, ad campaigns targeting electors and op-eds assailing their role. One Democratic member of Congress has called to delay the vote for president. While the uh, investigation of Russian involvement in the election is underway, two others have pleaded with electors to consider Russia's role when deciding how to vote. Where are the handcuffs where is the congressional committee where are the subpoenas where is the harassment where is the civil penalty where is the criminal penalty progressive groups are preparing protests across the country at sites where electors will meet to cast their ballots personal contact information for many electors has been posted publicly and it's been used to bury them with massive email campaigns last week we saw the release of a video with celebrities like Martin Sheen pleading with Republican electors to vote for someone other than Trump. Oh, my gosh. These people should be in jail. These people should be in jail. How dare they? How dare they? Absolutely unbelievable. Terrible. I can't. They, they hate their country. How could they possibly go after electors like that? How could they scheme to overthrow the results of the 2016 election? How is this possible? In our democracy, in our democracy, it's a shame. It's a crying shame. I don't know how he made it through without, without a November 3rd committee for 2016. Just thinking about it, it brings back trauma. I don't know how we did it. <laughs> you get it. Gosh, the hypocrisy. It's so 
infuriating. The hypocrisy is infuriating. <laughs> I just wanted to share that political art, Politico article with you guys because it reminded me of Carrie Lake absolutely slaughtering a journalist, a fake quote journalist over the weekend. I'm going to pull that clip up now because I think I want to show it to you. I think I do. Here she is. Carrie Lake. I can't hear you. You said you feel like Joe Biden is dividing the country, but do you feel like Donald Trump is doing the same by falsely telling people that he won that election when he lost it? How does that divide the country? Questioning questioning an election where there are obviously problems is, is dividing the country? Since when can we not ask questions about our elections? As a journalist for many years, I was a journalist after 2016, and I distinctly remember many people just like you asking a lot of questions about the 2016 election results. And nobody tried to shut you up. Nobody tried to tell Hillary Clinton to shut up. Nobody tried to tell Kamala Harris when she was questioning the uh, legitimacy of these electronic voting machines to stop. We're, we have freedom of speech in this country, and you of all people should appreciate that. You're supposedly a journalist. You should appreciate that. So I don't see how asking questions about an election where there are many problems is dividing a country. What I do see dividing a country is shutting people down, censoring people, canceling people, trying to destroy people's lives when they do ask questions. Last I heard, we still have the Constitution. It's hanging by a thread, thanks to some of the work some people in this area have done. But we're going to save that Constitution, and we're going to bring back freedom of speech. And maybe someday you'll thank us for that. Bam! I mean, just bam, she hit it all right in that one minute and 28 seconds. Oh, gosh, say what you want, but that was masterful, masterful. It reminds me of, honestly, I'm going to go off on a little tangent here before I, because you know what? I get to decide how long I talk today. <laughs> That's my decision. I'm going to go off on a little tangent. There, there are a few guilty pleasures that I have in life. One of them happens to be that I am a Big Brother super fan. For those of you who don't know, Big Brother is a show on CBS that started 24 years ago and it's on every season. And the reason why they can put it on every season is because it's always different, right? So what the premise of the show is, is that there are 16 strangers, I believe, that all go into this house in California and they're locked in there and they get no television, no phones, no electronics, nothing. And they're recorded 24 hours a day. And each um, each week, they there's a head of household who gets, um, you know, they, they basically win by winning a competition of some kind. And then they have to choose two house guests to put up for eviction from the house. Right. And then whoever the house decides wants, you know, they want to leave, gets voted out and they leave. And up until there's, you know, every week there's an eviction up until the, the jury where people are then voted off and sequestered in a house and then they come back in and they make the decision who wins the game at the end. So over recent, and it's so great because you get to see like how clicks form, you get to see how people are cutthroat, you get to see what being cut off from the outside world and their families does to them. It's a very psychological game. People are manipulating people. Some people play an honest game and win. Some pe people play a dishonest game and win. Some people lie about who they are. You, nobody knows anything about anybody. They just go in there and they have at it for, I think, I don't even know. I think it's like 12 or 13 weeks. I'm not sure. Don't, don't quote me. 
and the feeds like there's a produced show three times a week and then there's live feeds that you can watch where you see everything 24 hours a day they cut them sometimes it depends but basically you see everything 24 hours a day and i love the show for its dynamic for its strategy for all kinds of reasons but in recent years it has become ridiculously quote woke and it's it's at a fever pitch now and i just can't help it anymore i just can't help it anymore but to be angry so this last year an all black alliance formed this these all of these african american players banded together because there'd never been an african american winner of big brother and they decided that they were going to evict people strictly based on their race and so that when they were done, there was going to be an all an all black alliance in the house. They called it the cookout. And then ultimately at the end of the show, since there were only black people left, a black person would win. And this was their entire strategy the whole time. And Big Brother put enough people in there that they were able to enact this strategy. So this year, it's not so much like that. There's a pretty even division. There's always some gay folks in there and there's some older folks in there and there's some, um, you know, there's some black people in there. There was a Muslim in there, whatever. Fine. But there was this one kid, Kyle, who grew up in a Mormon family who left Mormonism, who was talking to um, one of the better players named Michael, who happens to be gay and a lefty about how he was worried that there was an all black alliance again this season. And that they should be on the lookout for that because one of the black players, Taylor openly declared, even though this person should have gone home, that she couldn't vote out an African-American woman. So she's making her choices on who should stay in the house based on the color of their skin. And so that flagged this Kyle kid to be like, yo, listen, we should probably be on the lookout for all these guys aligning again, based on the color of their skin because it happened last year. And so Michael and this woman, Brittany, waited till the very last minute when everything was vulnerable to pull that out of their their pocket and basically accuse Kyle of being a racist. Now, what happens in that house, the show is so widely watched, has has personal reverberations far outside of just this show. This poor kid is now going to be late. like he's being attacked incessantly online. There's a lot of people that are on his side, but he's being attacked as a racist. They're calling him KKK Kyle. It's terrible. And the reason why I'm saying this is because when they're all confronting him about his, uh, you know, hidden racism, his undeniable racism that he has, that he harbors, that he doesn't know he has microaggressions was brought up. He, uh, he has no idea he's racist, but he is, you see. Even though he doesn't think he is, he is. He's racist. He said, Taylor said that she would wouldn't vote someone out based on their skin color and that alone. So I thought that that was a red flag. And I, I just wanted to mention that maybe we should look out for that. And why I'm here is because hypocrisy, just hypocrisy. I am probably not going to watch this show anymore because it's just gotten worse and worse. Like we're at a point now in it where if you um, if you vote someone out who's black, you're racist. And so you can't play the game anymore that way. If everybody's tiptoeing around, afraid to vote people out of the house that just because they're black, then the whole ship has sailed. Like there's no point. There's no point anymore. It, it, it's just stupid. 
And so Michael and this chick, Brittany, are being demonized online for basically weaponizing the race card when it suited them to get rid of somebody that they needed out, which is terrible because Kyle even says this poor kid is just barraged in there. And he says, like, my life, like, do they understand, like, my life is going to be ruined now because of them? But they don't care. Lefties don't care. They will stab you in the face and laugh at you as you bleed out on the street. It's a little bit different than than Republicans who will stab you in the back and pretend that they're your friend. I don't know which is more dangerous, to be honest. But, you know, I propose I propose a big brother game where it's right versus left. Let's just get us in a house together. See who wins. What do you say, CBS? I'll be on. I said that that conversation would have gone much differently. And I know if you guys aren't Big Brother fans, I probably just bored the living daylights out of you. But just just the way that this has seeped in, the hypocrisy that they're constantly, constantly showing with literally, and they just get away with it. It's it's gross. Now moving on to newsworthy things. Moving on to newsworthy things. <sighs> Let's talk about Igor Denchenko, shall we? Let's talk about this case. So the Mueller probe has... The Mueller probe, the Durham probe has given us two indictments, one of Michael Sussman, who was not guilty in lying to the FBI. And throughout that case, I told everybody that I thought that the whole reason that Durham was doing this was because in his own pleadings to and his own arguments in front of the jury, Sussman had to argue against the FBI and show everybody what the FBI did wrong And that absolved the Durham special counsel of having to call out the institution, allowing strategically allowing Michael Sussman in trying to maintain his innocence to point the finger at everybody that he needed to point the finger at to keep himself safe. And then kind of absolving Durham of having to put anybody under the microscope, because by sheer necessity, the people involved have to out their counterparts that does not bring accountability to anyone. And they lost their last case, which is absolutely terrible thing to happen as a special counsel. Um, and so now DeFilippis, who is one of the attorneys who stepped off the case, John Durham is handling this one on his own. Um, they're both arguing that they're going to be using classified and, and top secret information in the defense. We're almost at trial now. Trial is coming in October. And Igor Denchenko is also accused of lying to the government. I'll tell you the charges here. It's five 1001 charges, five various times that they allege that he lied to the FBI. So, again, it's the same thing that they originally put General Flynn in for and Papadopoulos. It's 1001s. They're they're weak. They're, you know, I mean, it's. Of all the people, like in in the Sussman case, the judge argued, like, look, you're you're laying out this massive conspiracy here that you want entered into the Sussman case. Charge a damn conspiracy. You've got all this. Charge someone with conspiracy. And we've got Peter Strzok on television running his mouth and McCabe out there running his mouth. I'm telling you, it's going to be I'm sorry. I'm sorry to everyone out there who is praying for some Durham you know, sweep, but it's just, it's just not happening. So basically he's charged with five counts of lying to the FBI. And we've gone through quite a long time now of back and forth. He was first, um, it filed November 3rd, 2021. And so we've been going through this process and now we're getting up to, you know, trial time. And he just filed a motion to dismiss. And in his motion to dismiss, 
he argues why he's innocent. And he goes through all the reasons why the FBI knew all of the things that he was telling them. And they understood all of the truth behind things. And you, you, you know, you basically learn, um, there's no way that he could be guilty of 1001 and the reasons why. And I'm not going to get into the minutia because in my opinion, there's nothing ridiculously earth shattering here. We already knew the FBI knew in November of 2017 that this was all nonsense and the dossier was BS. We know that already, but by Durham um, charging him with these 1001 violations, it's forcing Danchenko to prove that the FBI knew thereby making it so that Durham doesn't have to prove that the FBI knew himself. So if he does take the L on this case, I don't think he's going to be all that upset because his backhounded way of getting this information out to the public is successful. Everybody knows the FBI lied. Nobody's held accountable for it. And John Durham goes down with two L's in the case. And I got to tell you, reading this motion to dismiss, he's he's, He's right. I'm sorry. It's a weak ass case. I want to see the government's response to the motion to dismiss. And I doubt that Judge Trenga, who happens to be actually a very fair judge. Judge Trenga was the judge who um, was taking care of the Akeem Alptekin case. If you guys have not kept up with that, I've done several interviews with him. He's caught up in the crossfire in a criminal indictment in the Flynn case. That is just absolutely asinine. He's dismissed, you know, there was a guilty plea or or I'm sorry, a a guilty verdict in the Rafikian case, the Bijan Kian case that was, you know, a parallel of the General Flynn case about Flynn Intel Group. And the jury came back with a guilty plea that was just utterly ridiculous. And there was no way the government proved their case. Trenga overturned that conviction. And there's been like an appellate war going on. Now they have to have a new trial. It's a long, long story that I could get into in another show. But basically, <clears throat> I'll put the Akeem uh, shows and some articles in the description if you guys are interested in getting to know it. Um, but this judge is, is relative. It's very fair. And so I don't know what he's going to do here. But honestly, the whole it seems to me and I'm going to take slings and arrows for this, but I'm just calling it like I see it that these indictments that Durham has brought up are literally strictly so that the people accused can prove Durham's case against the FBI for him without Durham having to go in and actually charge anybody in the FBI. It's just the way it just is the way it looks and the facts bear it out. It's just clear and I hate it, but I don't know. I had originally said that I thought that Durham was taking this one on his own because he didn't want to suffer an L. But the more I think about the strategy, it's kind of genius to not get your hands dirty and to let someone else do your dirty work. So charge these external figures and make them prove out their innocence by showing the FBI was guilty and that there was like, you know, whatever. It's just it's sad. But of course, I'm watching this to see what else we learn about Spygate. And again, a lot of people are saying the whole reason that they raided Mar-a-Lago was to grab up the Spygate docs that were declassified. They, un, you know, unmasked, for lack of a better word, or unredacted Cash Patel's name. And they're basically throwing shots across the... But there is an intelligence, quote, community war going on right now. War. It's just a war. But I, I mean, in terms of Durham, I just... Let's see what happens. We'll just leave it there. And we're going to move to vaccine information. Um, Dr. 
Fauci is still out there telling little kids to get the booster. Here, let's listen to the CNN clip right here. What I fear is that they're going to say everybody should get it when, in fact, a healthy young person really is unlikely to benefit from the booster dose. And so I hope they they target it more specifically to those really who are most likely to benefit from this additional dose. So they are now authorized for everyone 12 and up. To his concerns, Dr. Fauci, does everyone 12 and up need this new booster? Well, it depends, Erica, what you mean by need. I mean, when you talk about the fact that the protection that you get from infection and or vaccination wanes over time. Can I just There's can no I just stop this real quick? Do you remember back in the day when natural immunity didn't matter? Now, all of a sudden, he's back talking about natural immunity. This is such a crime against humanity. I swear to God, how many people got this thing or were fired? How many lawsuits arguing natural immunity? How many for judges to just shoot it down, saying natural immunity. It's not the same. It's not the same as a vaccine. No, it's not the same. It's far better. It's far better than a vaccine. And now he's talking about it like he always has said that. It just... that Clearly, when you have elderly individuals who are more susceptible to the severe effects of getting infected or individuals who have a compromised immune system, they would get the greater benefit from an updated vaccine. But that doesn't mean that those who are younger are not going to get some benefit. So the only way I would differ, and Paul is a good friend of mine and a a colleague for decades, is that I differ with the emphasis. I think if you look at wanting to get, as a society, the ultimate strategy is going to be that, for the most part, most Americans would need a re-boosting of their immunity on a yearly basis, we'll say. Very similar to what we see with influenza. Now, when you do that, you want to match what you're giving the person to what the circulating strain of the virus will be. And what we see as the potential, if not real advantage, of having a booster or a updated vaccine that is more closely matched to the circulating. In this case, there's no doubt what that is. That's BA4-5 to the tune of greater than 92%, mostly BA5. So I could understand what Paul is saying, but I have somewhat of a minor disagreement with him on that. I do believe there will be benefit essentially for everyone, but clearly more benefit for the elderly and those who have underlying conditions. Nobody is really getting this thing anymore. And prayer would be answered if that maintained. They tested this shot on eight mice and said, yeah, this is good. Let's roll it out to the rest of the population. All good. Everything's all good, guys. It's fine. We tested it on some mice and the mice seem to be okay. So you guys go on ahead, get yourself all boosted up and um, we'll we'll have a party. That, that's what happened here, just just so everyone's clear. They, they literally tested it on, on mice, this gene-altering concoction of death was tested on eight mice, and then the FDA said, yep, all good, gone out. So raise your hand if you'll ever in your life again trust the FDA about anything, ever. Anyone, takers? Any takers for that? I 
don't think so. There are no institutions left that we can trust, like zero institutions. There are none. There are none. We can't trust the FBI. We can't trust the CIA. We can't trust the NIH. We can't trust the CDC. We can't trust the FDA. We certainly can't trust our political representatives. We definitely can't trust the media. And I would argue that the, sadly, the military is starting to become untrustworthy as well. What happens then? What happens when a population can't trust any of their institutions? Does anyone know? Greg Gutfeld had an interesting take on the Biden speech. And it's basically exactly what I had said myself. Um, We've got to laugh at it. We've got to mock it for the nonsense that it is. That's what we have to do. And we have to mock it. And, you know, because they're trying to goad us into violence, that's like their whole thing here is to goad someone into violence or give themselves an excuse to create that violence and then blame it on others. Look no further than Michigan. But listen to this clip here. The belief that the election was stolen, the the great replacement conspiracy theory, the Capitol riots being a false flag, et cetera, et cetera. These are delusional. But John John Kennedy Jr. is coming back. Yes, yes. I mean, Tupac is somewhere in Cuba, but that's another story. Right, right. Millions of people, though, they believe this. So has there ever been a mass movement to undo the effects of disinformation and conspiracy theories among an entire society and if there was i couldn't i couldn't find one so if, if you know something do tell us so so if there no, is you are absolutely right no i defer mm-hmm. to you that's exactly right and this is why it could be more dangerous than 1860 or the 1930s in 1860 for instance when abraham lincoln was inaugurated president uh March of 1861, there were Confederate gangs running around, even in the area in front of his platform, who were threatening to kill him, who were threatening the government of the United States. But what they did not have is what these groups now have in 2022, and that is social media. So in 1861, they were sort of dispersed, but they couldn't uh, conspire together and decide how to attack the Capitol, as they did on the 6th of January on social media. And the other thing is that they had, if they had a conspiracy theory like Tupac or, or JFK Jr. or anything like that, it would be some guy with passing out handbills on the corner. Nowadays, that same person has access to a billion people or more on the Internet. <gasps> the horror. There are some crazy conspiracy theories out there, but... um most of the things that everybody thought were conspiracies are are actually true. And it used to take years and years to determine that they were true. But now it just takes a couple weeks. And people like this. A civil war is either very or somewhat likely to happen in the next decade. That is according to a poll by YouGov and The Economist. The survey also found that those who self-identify as, quote, strong Republicans were most likely to believe this. You have also got these elected Republican officials like Marjorie Taylor Greene calling for a national divorce. Thousands of people stormed the Capitol. Let's not forget January 6th. What clues does history give us on how to change course here? Well, the first clue, Simone, I think you, you, you would agree with me on this, and that is that when in history have we had an ex-president uh, essentially saying that if I get uh, uh, indicted, 
uh, there will be violence in the streets or having his allies like Lindsey Graham say that. He certainly has sent that message to the attorney general. We have never had anything like that. Certainly there was a specter of violence uh, throughout American history for many Americans. And in uh, 18... When in history has a weaponized justice system attacked a former president and half the country in the way that this authoritarian government has done so, Mr. Presidential Historian Michael Beschloss. Hmm? When has that ever happened, Michael? Can you, can, you, can you recall a time when that's ever happened? Can you recall a time when an election has been stolen out from underneath of the American people? like outright stolen in such a transparent way as to be comical, if you could look at it from a distance. When in our country's history has, 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 have so many, you know, people strayed from the fact that we are not in fact a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. The president is out there talking about our democracy. We don't have a democracy. That's very important. Not enough people pay attention to that. I think it's time for the American people to stop looking at their elected representatives as their kings and start looking at them as their servants, because that's what they are. We put them there to do our bidding, not the other way around. If everybody changed their perspective on that, these people would lose their ability to lord their crap over us. And I kind of want to end with a Rakita Law clip. I think I'm going to do that. Hold on. So just to set it up here, uh, Rakita is is uh, an attorney. And I love watching him because he is fantastic. And he's going over the Trump, the government's argument that they should keep the affidavit under seal. So this is an older clip. But what he says in here, language alert, if you've got kids around, lower the volume or come back to this later. What he says in here is is powerful and important, and I want to play it to end the show. All right. And we've we've got about two minutes to listen to this. So here we go. As, as its investigative sources and methods is at its zenith, maximizing the government's access to untainted facts increases its ability to make a fully informed prosecutive decision while also minimizing the effects of third parties. Look at how cucked our courts are these days, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, I can't. I can't stress this enough because it seems counterintuitive to current year thinking. And and really, my entire life is in that bracket current year, 1981 to today. The idea that law enforcement has some sort of right to make a prosecutive decision against you is so thoroughly ingrained in people that they will choke on government dick all day to figure out how the government is right in prosecuting you. No, wrong, wrong, terrible, incorrect thinking. The government's prosecution of you should be a labor of legend. It should be so onerous as to be embarrassing. You should have to be seen by like 30 people shooting up the shop that you robbed. I don't like this, this, Police state that we live in is not what we're supposed to live in. We're supposed to live in general liberty with an enforcement arm of the courts 
to clean up messes in the aftermath when wrongdoing is so obvious that they finally can send out police. The idea that we need like police to fish and go after these untainted facts, the cops, the government, the investigative arm of everything. No, they should have the hardest job on the planet and they should fail most of the time. And I'm so sick of pretending that we should be like slaves to the government just lording its laws over us. No, no, no. God damn it. Ah, hurt. I can't, I can't take this. Like in the I right... The right is particularly susceptible to this because we have been so endorsive of law and order candidates since Reagan. Like, we're like, yes. oh, yeah, law and order? Yeah, give me more. I'm a good boy. I'm a good boy. Shower me with all that law and order. I'm I'm so good. I love it. I, I would never commit a crime. No, 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 no. Wrong. You are committing crimes. Probably by getting in your vehicle and driving down the road. Stop. 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 The government hates you. The Republicans hate you. The Democrats hate you. All these people hate you. All the, 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 think about what their job is. Their job is to go to Congress and figure out some way to put you in prison so that they can stay in office. That's literally their job. Because if they don't pass some law to address something, then they're seen as do nothing. All I want on earth is a do nothing Congress. In fact, I want to rewind Congress. I want a Congress that goes and says, all this shit that we were passing is wrong and we want to back it up. And these people want to pass more and more laws and we keep voting them in on the platform of passing more laws. No, less laws. In fact, significantly less laws. These people, they're going to earn $186,000 per year of your tax money. Do you earn that? And their job is to put you in prison, to find some other way to either put you in prison or get you shot by police. These people, stop endorsing this shit. Oh, my God. You have been listening to the Dark to Light podcast with Beans. You can hear us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2.30 Eastern Time on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and RadioInfluence.com. We'll be back on Wednesday. Marinate on that clip for a little while. I'm Jerry Petock, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. If you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or if you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. 